Welcome to Songs and Stories, a behind-the-scenes look at independent music. This time out, a return visit with Carolyn Sills and Gerard Egan of the Carolyn Sills Combo, and a look at their latest project, Return to El Paso, which covers the ground covered in Marty Robbins' classic tune, El Paso, from 1959, and adds a five-song cycle around it that kind of hashes out some of the characters in the tune and kind of revisits the ground covered by Robbins. Very ambitious, very cool. It definitely works. We'll talk to them in just a few. Here we go. So welcome to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is the Songs and Stories podcast, episode number 190. Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you for listening to these. I've been doing these for 11, 12 years or so, and uh, I really started these because I wanted something on my website that wasn't just about me. It was about other songwriters, other artists. I've always been a fan of music, which is why I started playing in the first place. And this podcast was a way to kind of extend it out a little bit. And really, it became a nice chance to get to know the music community, which is not why I did it. I just wanted to promote other people, but it's been really, really nice. And if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know it's been mostly mostly local artists, but not always. Some touring people that I admire or just have a chance to talk to. And I've learned a lot. I hope you are too, and hope you have too. And I hope you're... Um, endorsing these artists and buying their music as we interview them every month. It's uh, It's been a really good experience, and I'm not stopping anytime soon. I also wanted to say I'm kind of melancholy because it's the end of the year, and this year, 2019, has been kind of really special. I, I left my day job back in March, my choice, yay, and uh, dove right into being a, a DJ at K-Pig Radio and taking over their website and doing some other stuff to kind of pay the bills and, and playing a lot more music and having an absolute blast with my band, me and my new best friends, and finding regular gigs in places like Still Bonnet Brewing and Discretion Brewing and the Capitola Wine Bar and now Satori Vineyards over in, in Gilroy, just finding people that like what we do. And it, it really, really means a lot. We don't take any of it for granted. So if you've come to a show or, or, or checked out the website or the music or the podcast, whatever you've done to kind of find your way to me, I really appreciate it. So thank you for that. And thank you for a great, great year. Speaking of a great year, the Carolyn Sills combo had yet another great year. And I, um, we've also become kind of compadres because they're also DJs on KPIG Radio. About once a month, Carolyn Sills and Gerard Egan host House of Twang, which is a, a, a slot on KPIG, usually Sunday afternoons from 1 to 6, about once a month. And they'll do a lot of KPIG stuff, but a lot of things from their personal record collection that has a really old school twang to it because they both are really music historians, which plays a lot into their music. Case in point, this latest record of theirs is called Return to El Paso. And if you go way back 60 years ago and really look at the lyrics to El Paso, really listen to it, there are several characters in the song. There's Felina, who the more I get to know her, the more she's kind of a piece of work. <laughs> and uh, there's, the, there's the ranger who goes after our hero at the end. Uh, there's the horse that uh, allows him to get his getaway. There's the, the handsome stranger who has his own tune in this record. And um, 
There's a lot going on in this song. It's a very, very rich story song. It was kind of a groundbreaking tune. I'm going to put a link to the lyrics and maybe some interpretations and, and opinions about El Paso in this podcast. So if you go to Songs and Stories, episode number 190 on michaelgather.com, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, you'll find that. And uh, so what Carolyn did was she took a song or a lyric idea, and you'll hear about this in the interview, that just kind of kept resonating with her. And she realized, well, who would feel like this? Who would who would actually say this line? And she realized it was Felina from El Paso. So her and Gerard sat and they thought, well, let's write a song about Felina. Well, there were other characters in this song. Let's write about, and that's kind of where this came from. The project is called El, Return to El Paso. It's now available on, you can download it. It's available on CD. It's also available this month on vinyl. So side one, it's an EP. So side one is the Return to El Paso project. Side two of the vinyl is three, four songs from their previous release, Dime Stories Volume 2, which were previously unavailable on vinyl. So there's a lot of ways to get this music. I would just buy this CD, buy the vinyl, and go to a show and tell them how wonderful it is. Because it's really, really a very, very cool record. It was kind of ambitious, and they pulled it off. And they're like the most wonderful, cool band in the county. And, and you know, and if you've, they're touring quite a bit, so I would look for them. And you can find them at Carolyn Sills, Carolyn with a Y, carolynsills.com. What I'm going to do is really just cut this intro stuff short here. I really want to talk to the band. And we talked recently uh, about this and just about kind of where they're at now. And I was thinking about the fact that I interviewed them and I looked back. It was episode number 131 back in November 2013. So just about six years ago. And at that point, we met at Santa Cruz Guitar Company. They were both working there. She's still there. Gerard's teaching these days. He's not there anymore. And we met in one of the workshops for Santa Cruz Guitars, the finest guitar you'll ever play. By the way, I play one, and really, it's the last guitar you'll ever need unless you buy another Santa Cruz guitar, so you have two, even better. So we met there six years ago and talked about kind of how they ended up in Santa Cruz. He was Gerard was a luthier. Carolyn came along. She ended up running marketing for Santa Cruz Guitar Company. And, and I'll, I'll link them in the I'll link all that information in the the podcast notes as well. So we talked about that. This time I thought, you know, let's let's talk about the new project, but let's go way back. And I wanted to find out actually how they met because they're such a special couple. I mean, they're both like right in sync with each other. They're both very committed to the music and each other, and you can't help but just love these two people. And um, and they're really fun to hang out with, as you'll find out in this interview. So we went way back to when they met. And then fast-forwarded several, several years to this new project, Richard El Paso, and we talked about that. So that's kind of where um, this interview lies, and that's the setup for it. What I'm going to do is play a track off Return to El Paso. We might as well play this song about Felina, who she's kind of she's kind of like the catalyst for all the antics that ensued in the original El Paso tune by Marty Robbins, and she helped kind of springboard this five-song project, Return to El Paso, from the Carolyn Sills combo. So here is the full band, the Carolyn Sills combo, doing Felina off Return to El Paso. Let's do that, and then we'll jump into the interview. And again, you can find notes for this at michaelgather.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. 
Carolynsills.com. You can also go to carolynsills.com, Carolyn with a Y, and order the record. And I'll put those links into this podcast as well. Lots of cool stuff in this interview, this talk. Here's some music, and here we go. Oh, Felina, don't go to roses tonight. I got a feeling that cantina's due for a fight. Oh, Felina, those men don't care that you're mine. That you're dancing one dime at a time And if you 
wanted level. Test. That's pretty good. Testing. All right. So I got to say, this is my first podcast where I'm on the floor and starting it off with adult beverages. I'm going to do every one of my shows here from now on. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. It's a new era. <laughs> it's a new era of the Songs and Stories podcast. Whiskey, beer, Carolyn Gerard, 78 RPM records, and Cowboy's first podcast. That's right. Aww. Cowboy the Wonder Dog. There might be they some can only see the these belly rooms. Yeah. I was going to say, too, so we've had, we've actually hung out now three times in a week. That is a record. Oh, my God. Pretty amazing. So Pretty we cool. should get together in, like, 2023 or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, all, we're done for, like, the next six years. Um, so I was going through my notes, and we got together. It was. It was November 2013 when we first wow. had. We, we, we knew each other for a while, but it was, if you're listening at home, go back to episode 131. Wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Six years. And we knew each other for a while then, but yeah. that was your first record as a combo. Mm-hmm. We met at Santa Cruz Guitar Company. And I back then, I got a couple of notes here. Back then we talked about how you came to Santa Cruz's luthier. You came along and started spearing up marketing for Santa Cruz Guitar mm-hmm. Company. You're still there. Yep, still there. And you're not. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I've gone on to uh, underwater basket weaving. Exactly. It's a lucrative profession. And and big doggy <laughs> belly rubbing, which is apparently <laughs> really, really, really taken off for you. <laughs> Someone has to keep them quiet. But you're teaching and probably marketing the band and doing all that stuff too. Uh, yeah, I'm working up at Sullivan Music now, doing repairs That's right. three days you're a week. In Santa Cruz. Um, yeah, yeah, and then doing some work for the band, teaching, playing some solo gigs, and just trying to keep as you know flexible a schedule as possible so mm-hmm. we can tour and do what we do. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted to go way back because because Carol and you and I were hanging out when Gerard was working on Saturday, playing with Jeffrey Halford. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. one two hour set. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> yeah. But on the in episode one thirty one, we talked you know years ago. We talked about you coming to Santa Cruz, but you and I were talking on Saturday, and I said, "Well, how did you get started playing music?" And you talked about the the jam bands you were playing with. That was a good story. Oh yeah, well, I mean, and you sang I, with your dad as a kid, but the band story I thought was really yeah. I didn't actually get into a band. I don't know how interesting this will be to everybody, but for me, I I had a friend, my brother's friend in high school. He was a very academic guy. He was, in, you know, very talented in math, and mm-hmm. and he won all these awards in science. And and one day he was in our house and he was hanging out by himself. And I, I walked into the the family room and I said, Hey, Matt, it's good to see you. And I, he said he's going off to college. And I was like, Oh, it's exciting. Like, what, you know, what are you going to major in? And he's like, You know, Carolyn, to be honest, he's like, I just want to be in a band. <laughs> and like just to hear that guy say that and right. uh, and how you know how smart he was and right. how skilled he was and I was he's like, smart he just yeah. wants to play he music. just wants to play music and I was like wow that's amazing and, yeah. and and at that point too I was like wait could I be in a band like I'd always sung and I'd always right. played piano and I'd played you know a little guitar I'd played some stuff but I never never occurred to me that I could be so you know mm-hmm. honored as to be in a band and so. Um, when I went to college, I actually hooked up. I saw an, a want ad on, uh, I think it was on like the school bulletin board or something, and it ended up to be a, a few guys in town that were in their thirties and they were just looking for a lead singer in old their guys. local band. Yeah, yeah at the yeah. time, very old gentlemen, and uh, so I I went to their place and we played some some uh, songs together and ended up playing one of the local bars and I was <laughs> you know still underage at the time and it was definitely a thrill. common story yeah yeah first time I I lifted a tube amp to help move it and I thought I broke it because of the noise it made and it, oh the spring <laughs> reverb yeah the spring right. reverb yeah and that just yeah I'll never forget that moment but yeah. um but yeah so I played in uh with them and then I hooked up with some other guys that were in my you know in my school 
and we started playing jam band music. And to be honest, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but I'd get so bored mm-hmm. during the, the 10 to 20 minute solos. And I was like, okay, I got Well, you were the singer, so it's like, yeah. okay, you guys noodle for 10 minutes and right. I'll stand here if you need I anything. I could leave and get a drink and right. come back. But I was like, I got to start playing an instrument because right. I can't stand this anymore. Just right. hanging out Bring here. Bring home roses. Exactly, exactly. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to play an instrument. Um, and the bass guitar just really... Um, I don't know, I was just kind of drawn to it, the idea of being like the rhythm section right, and, and be able right. to sing too. And uh, so I, I, I went to a, a place called Caruso Music in Connecticut at the time, and uh, I got a this old bass. It was kind of a beater, but got a bass, got a little amp that's right there actually for the $80, yeah, and uh, and started playing bass guitar. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. And it works? It works And it still. works, yeah. I, I do love it. I mean, I'm, you know... I, I think for me, like especially in songwriting wise, it really just I can get into like the root of the song and just kind of map it out, and that's you know I think Richard and I work so well together mm-hmm. that I can be like, all right, I you know I got this basic chord structure in a sense, and and the vocals, and then we can kind of put it all together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and well. I've kind of I've kind of found with songwriting that if you start with sometimes if you start with the rhythm, you can avoid writing. Try to avoid songs that sound like other songs you've written. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you like look for a unique rhythm or just a, a way to like. Get the, get the grounding for it first. Yeah, yeah, So definitely. maybe the bass helps with that. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, any musician, like, you know, playing on a different instrument, you'll open up a whole new world of songs. You right. You know, if you, like, anytime I pick up a guitar, all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, uh-huh. you know, there's all these other yeah, ideas these out there. Ideas. Yeah, But, um... There's also something very special about the lead singer that plays bass, too, because you're kind of doing everything in mm-hmm. the band, you know? Like, you're leading the group, like, singing, emoting, connecting with the crowd. Big time. But then yeah. you're playing bass, which like people are like, oh, whatever, it's just four strings. But it's like, no, no it's really, you're really important. Rhythm, yeah. You're the yeah, melody yeah. at the same time. It's one of those things you miss one of your four notes in like a four beat measure. Like everyone right. in the audience notices. You're down twenty five percent. Yeah. Well, and when so a, with there's the bass, a lot of pressure on. Yeah, on and when the, to do that, it's the, hard to pull. The bass off. is kind of the along with the drum. The bass is the kind of foundation when sort of the quote unquote leader of the band is kind of fronting that instrument. It's really powerful. It's good stage presence. It's good showmanship, and it, musically, it's it's really compelling. Yeah, definitely. It's You don't see it that often, again, because right. I think it's, it's really unique. difficult. You yeah. know, it's hard to pull all that stuff off at once. You know? mm-hmm. So We don't see a lot of singing bass players. Yeah, I don't some. know why that is. I mean, well, locally, Sarah would be with Bean Creek, I think. Yeah. But I don't see a lot of bands where the bass player kind of... I think it says bass players are more humble, usually, by nature, and yeah. guitar players want to be up front and sing a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the lead singer typically is like, you need the most attention, right? right. So it is a weird, mm-hmm. I guess, dichotomy that you have that, like, ability to, like, front the band, but also that desire to, like, be the the base foundation mm-hmm. of the group, too. You know, it's it's kind of like, maybe it's like a control freak thing. You have to do everything up there. <laughs> <laughs> this was going so nicely, yeah, too. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me, too, and this is sort of a, a jump to a com- kind of a different genre, but... When, because I'm a big Tom Petty fan, when Tom Petty got his original band Mud Crutch back together about 10 years ago, the late Tom Petty, miss him greatly, mm-hmm. um, we saw him at the Santa Cruz Civic and he, he went back to his Mud Crutch roots. He was playing bass. Hmm. He was hmm. the bass player and That's the lead cool. singer. Wow. And it was very compelling to see the lead singer up there center stage playing the bass. Mm-hmm. It was real different. Yeah. 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 And then Gerard, your roots, we were talking before we, uh, this is, this is, this always happens. We, we start you know, rapping and talking, and I think, oh, we should be recording this. <laughs> so you came from Jersey. 
How yeah. did you get into Western music and uh, where did uh, that come from? I think the first part of that whole scene I got into was actually like uh, old Western movies and spaghetti okay. Western movies. You that know, makes when sense. I was maybe like in eighth grade, mm-hmm. freshman year of high school, um, TBS used to have this thing called Squint with Clint. And it was like a whole day. It was like th- all the three, you know, right. you know, the Dollars trilogy, Fistful of Dollars, right. Three Dollar right, right. Um, Good, the Bad, the Ugly. And um, I was just, I, I love the movies, but I was also super uh, into the soundtracks. You know, oh, the Ennio Morricone stuff was like, right. it was right, right, kind right. of like another extra character in the films, uh-huh. which any good soundtrack kind of is, like right. Star Wars, whatever, Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. stuff. Um but there was always that kind of guitar component to it as well. You know, there's like really cool, slightly out of tune guitar and all that um, spaghetti Western stuff. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't until I uh, I kind of finished college. Like I'd heard some stuff in, in college. Uh, my good buddy Eric played the Reverend Horton Heat's uh, Smoke Him If You Got Him, his first record. Um, and it, it blew my mind. I had like no way to kind of like <laughs> place it. Like I'd heard... You know, the, the stuff that was on MTV, like, in the 80s and 90s, that was, like, right. what I was exposed to. My parents had, like, you know, classic rock from the 60s. I grew up playing classical music, but, like, I had no country or rockabilly Western swing roots at all. And then mm-hmm. I heard Reverend Horton Heat, and it totally blew my mind, mm. you know? Um, so when I was about 22 or so, I started listening to more and more of that stuff, and it was just... It, it kind of had it all for me. It was like a great guitar playing, really fun songs. It seemed like it kind of encompassed everything in terms of um, different genres of music or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the more you want to put into it, you know, you could. It, it wasn't like limiting itself in terms of like uh, a category or something. You know, you can kind yeah. of bring any kind of influence to it, and that that was intriguing to me. So nice, wow. And how did you two cross paths? Oh geez, there was a. I, don't, I never got that. There was story. a pirate, and then. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I there was, was a gorilla a... involved. Mm, no, right, no, right. No, no, no. We met back in college, actually, and mm. uh, Gerard. We were both playing in different bands, and we kind of met through playing music. And... You're watching a jam band. There was this girl singing that didn't right. do anything. She had else. really sweet pleather pants on. I did, <laughs> yeah. I did wear pleather back then. Yeah. Doesn't fit the bur- the the band brand now, does right, it? Right, right, no. yeah. I wear pleather under my pants. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um I was a, a huge uh Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix fan like uh-huh. in my late teens and early 20s to the point where like if I saw a Hendrix CD or a Stevie Ray Vaughan CD and I and there was like one song on there that I didn't have, I had to own it, you know. Right. I was like obsessive. <laughs> So uh, during this one school break, I guess it was hence this pile of records around the, right. the, the, the <laughs> home here. The uh, the summer before my junior year, I was like record hunting at one point, and yeah. I was like flipping through the Steve Ray Vaughan pile at this sure. place, and this new CD popped up that I'd never seen before. It said it was Luann Barton, um, "Sugar Coated Love," featuring Stevie Ray Vaughan on like three tracks of like an eighteen song CD, and I was like, done. There you and go. I bought it. Right. I went home and I listened to it and. Uh, Luann's voice reminded me so much of Carolyn's voice, who I'd seen perform mm, at, our, okay. at our college, that when I went back to school the next fall, um, I, I just kind of went up to her. I was like, hey, like I got this record by a gal named um, Luann Barton, and Stevie Ray Vaughan was her guitar player, whatever, I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out she was a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, like even more what so a great than line. like... This, this this late this girl sounds like you. <laughs> well, she was. And it was this year. I'm just, I had a lot know. of guitar buddies that were like into Stevie Ray Vaughan, but Carolyn like knew more about Stevie and had more records. Was like more passionate about Stevie than like 
any of my dude friends. So like immediately yeah. we were like hanging out like like buddies, just like listening to music nice. and watching the uh, El Combo video and whatever. Awesome we just say that means, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, we just we totally bought What a great over foundation for a relationship too. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. do credit Stevie for for introducing yeah. us. Well wow. on, on my twenty first birthday we played Stash's Cafe in New London, Connecticut and we got up on stage and played two or three of the songs off that record. Two, yeah. Wow. With me playing the Stevie stuff and you singing the land stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that was like the beginning of, of everything really. So that would yeah. be a great combo site project. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just love. I would love to hear you just do some of that stuff. The but, band yeah. was called The Fuzz, and we only played <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix songs. Wow, <laughs> it's like oh, fun. Totally an excuse to just play guitar. Yeah, know? I've never gotten this story before. Now we yeah. all have it. And we all have Everybody it. listening. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So let's now let's fast forward to this, this this new project. I don't want to take up too much time, but yeah. um, so we talked. You know, I said six years ago. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. When you had your first Carol and Sills combo record, Dime Stories, Volume 2, a few years ago. Yeah. And um, so, dumb question, but why did you decide, to, this is, you probably get this question from a lot of interviews, and it sounds, why did you decide to do a whole project around El Paso? Yeah. Why not? It's why not, the, basically? Yeah. I mean, we, it just kind of came to us one day. I mean, we were, you know, we listened to Gunfighter Battles and Trail songs a right. lot. And the Marty Robbins monumental yeah. important groundbreaking record that we all have at home right yeah. and to be honest it kind of started with one of the songs i i caught in you know just like with a lot of songs i write i'll just get like a line in my head that mm-hmm. i just can't shake and it needs to become a song and i got this line in my head i'm not crying i've just rubbed jalapenos mm-hmm. in my eyes and it that was, was a carol like it too that was, that was definitely a carol <laughs> line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that it, like I, I have it written down in like numerous notebooks like it was just like kind of haunting me for a while but i didn't know what mm-hmm. to do with it you know and so then one day I, I sat down like, okay, I'm going to work on this song today. And I, I started thinking like, all right, who would say this? And like, oh, okay. what perspective would this come from? And, and then the more I thought about it, it went through a few different strange <laughs> variations that I'll bring up in the next podcast. But uh, eventually I was like, well, what if, what if this song is from the perspective of Felina, mm-hmm. like breaking up with Marty Robbins in Rose's Cantina? Like that was just the first idea I got. Right. And then when I sat with it, I thought like, wait a second. Like, There's more to this. Yeah, if I could write a song like from her perspective, like it, it was very important to me. Like we're such, we respect Marty Robbins so much and mm-hmm. and his catalog of work and especially, you know that whole Gunfighter Ballad. I have record. a dog in my face now. <laughs> like, we're, 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 keep going. He gives kisses for free. Yeah. And um, so I, I didn't want to do anything that would have been you know outside of his intended story or take right, away from right. what he wrote for those characters. So. At that point, I was like, wait a second, this is bigger than me. Oh, he's going to come up here. All right. I was like, this is bigger than me. Like, I got to write. He's very thoughtful. (laughs) Everybody, Cowboy's comfortable now, so you can rest rest at church. Meanwhile, back Um, on the CD. But, uh, yeah, so it was very important to me to, I was like, all right, if I'm going to write a song about characters that Marty Robbins wrote, like, I I really need to to do my homework with this. So I started working on that song, and all of a sudden I was like, all right, it, this is one song like there's so many characters in that yeah, in that one very, tune of El Paso there's a lot of depth in that song yeah. and then yeah I started talking to Gerard and I was like why, like, why can't we do this like let's write let's write a bunch of songs based on these different characters and, and there's definitely you know some ideas we had that we didn't go with but mm-hmm. you know to us eventually it was obvious like who the characters were that was important to write about Right. and um, some of the songs came out very easily and, and a couple of them you know we worked a little bit harder on but mm-hmm. i think yeah it was it just kind of was meant to be and we just went for it i mean we definitely have songs 
non-Marty Robbins songs that we've been working on mm-hmm. before we started this project, but it was like, well, let's just do this right now. Like, we were mm-hmm. excited about it, and the timing yeah. seemed right. So. And you recorded it, as, it was a year ago. I think we, t- we talked, I think, at one of your solo gigs, Gerard. Yeah. And you say, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to do an EP next, you know. We just, we're going to... But that was a year ago, so you actually went down yeah. and did this. And they did yeah, of... we did it in two days, yeah, in October And uh, I, I want to ask you, year. were you playing these out live? Because I never saw you playing these out I think you just kind of held on to them, didn't you? Sort of? Yeah, we're... Whether that was intentional or not, I think. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have a habit right now. We'll we'll write songs, and then we kind of go in the studio and record them, you know, uh-huh. and then we'll go out after that and play them live. But right. these songs, yeah, we kind of got them all together. We played them a little bit, but not much at all, and, yeah. and just went and did the record pretty quickly. Yeah, we did rehearse them a bunch, yeah. and like the whole process during that recording session, we actually got down there, uh, I guess like late on a Sunday night, we spent all day Monday uh, playing in Charlie's house, down okay. in Pioneer Town, just like, oh, going over south. the five songs, yeah. and then we got to the studio the next day and just went for it, you know, um, and it's 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 kind of a luxury to have songs where you're out, you know, gigging them, playing them live, and you kind of sure. work up yeah, the yeah. and I, stuff. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Sometimes, like, the timing of things just doesn't work out, you know, like, you want to record something at a certain point, release it at a certain point, so right. we had this idea, and uh, it kind of came together half in the studio, I mean, the, the songs were there, Carolyn had the lyrics and stuff, but our, uh, some of the music was kind of coming together, like, in the few days leading up to wow. it, you know, so it's... Which is fun. I it's think ex- it, it it's puts... exciting and stressful, and you're kind of hoping. I hope this works. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of the thing like when you're in rehearsal and you're comfortable. There's no one watching. It's one thing, but when you get on stage, like to me, there's like something else that takes over where you kind of like you play all the right notes or something. Hopefully. Hopefully, you know? yeah. So right. like normally, that's, that's normally, kind of, yeah, the adrenaline thing takes over, uh-huh. and um, you know, it was it was a really fun session. We worked with. Um, this amazing engineer producer um, Sylvia Massey, oh, right. Right, right. who has yeah. recorded Johnny Cash and Tom oh, Petty, major I mean, credentials. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. has a, a ridiculous laundry list of people that she's worked with. And yeah. one of how the did you cross paths with her? Uh, we were introduced through a friend in the industry. Okay. We actually, he was asking just kind of out of nowhere, like if anyone could produce your next record, like who would you want to produce it? And I was like, well, Rick Rubin would be great. You know, and he's <laughs> right. like, well. He's like, what if I could introduce you to, you know, basically the same but next best thing, you know? And, uh, yeah, she was okay. like Rick Rubin's right hand man for right hand woman for yeah. you know, ten wow. years or something. Nice. I mean, and it was just actually a thrill. I mean, we we're like, oh yeah, please introduce us, and we just kind of assumed nothing would come of it. But sure. She actually she listened to Dime Stories and she loved our music and nice. she wanted to talk on the phone and I mean we only we talked to her maybe twice before we met down in Joshua Tree. Uh, when she came down so to it happened do the recording. Fairly quickly. Pr- pretty quickly, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and one of the things that really was attractive about her was just that, I mean, we kind of have a similar approach to music where it's like nice to not be kind of like pigeonholed, you know, and she mm-hmm. has really tried to avoid being pigeonholed in terms of like she Who just she works with or what she rock does. albums or yeah. whatever, like this right. is her sound or whatever. Like, yeah. Well, I saw her catalog really, and it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. It really is. Right. And yeah. that's kind of been our <laughs> history too, is just like, writing different kinds of music and trying to incorporate different influences and whatever yeah. so we thought well there's got to be a kindred spirit kind of thing here you right. know? and, and right. it was it was truly awesome she was she was next level she was yeah. really awesome she was great yeah so well i was saying earlier i was talking to carol and, and yeah but i i i've loved the songs i've heard them earlier before i came over i actually listened to them i actually listened to el paso yeah looked at the lyrics again and then listened to the ep again and i'm like wow just That's awesome. holy shit because I can you. say shit because it's yeah. a podcast. Right. <laughs> okay. um, just, you know, Felina. I'm gonna, so we've heard Felina, if you're listening at home, you've heard Felina. 
and that's all you're going to hear because you have to go out and buy the rest of it to hear the whole thing, and you should. But Handsome Stranger, and then, you know, I'm Not Crying, and just hold up. You know, just yeah. the, the five songs. Five's a good number. It really hits, I think, the key beats in yeah. El Paso. It's really, it's respectful. It's creative. Thank you. Yeah, it's really cool. Appreciate I want to brag about you for a second, though. There's actually, Marty Robbins wrote two follow-up songs to El Paso. The second one was Felina from, from El, El Paso, Paso and yeah. the third oh. one was El Paso City. El Paso City in like the late seventies. So Carolyn went and I mean yeah. I was unaware of them until just right. a couple of years ago, but she went and like studied those songs and he's he's kind of like expanding the story to El Paso and those subsequent songs. Mm -hmm. And she took all that information and kind of included it in the five songs on Return to El Paso yeah. on our record. So, you know, what I love about this project is that for like the hardcore Monty Robbins fans that like know the lyrics to El Paso and everything, the history there and stuff, it's like right. we're not changing anything that went on. We're just kind of filling in some of the blanks, some right. of the gaps, some of the backstory right. kind of thing. In a very like again, a very respectful, creative way. Thank you. Yeah. 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 yeah we didn't want to. We didn't want to take away anything. We just wanted no. to add some depth. No, and definitely. Add add, some, they, they, they're yeah. very complimentary. The the original song and these. That's yeah. awesome. Thank I you. I gotta ask you. We were. When I when this when this was first getting played locally here on K Pig Radio, my wife and I were driving around, and I don't know if this was intentional or just how I heard it that day, but we were listening to a song and it came on. I go, it sounds kind of western because it was it was traffic, it was busy. I go, is that Leonard Cohen? So were you trying to channel Leonard Cohen and Handsome Stranger? <laughs> oh, have you gotten that yet? No, I haven't actually. It I was like, I love Leonard it Cohen, sounds but... like Leonard Cohen. Yeah. I'm like. Oh man, it's it's Gerard. Oh, this is so cool. This must be off your new record. Well, what's funny is that the first time we tracked that vocal and you got part, the whistle, which yeah, <laughs> probably, of course, you probably said it wouldn't be a Carol exactly. combo record without a good whistle part. But right. the first time we tracked that uh, kind of voiceover spoken word thing, um, we kind of talked about it being more like a, like Sam a Sam Elliott type of thing, you know, uh, like that kind of yeah. older, deep grizzled mustache kind sure. of sound, you know. But then we thought, well, no. We're talking about Felina and her lover. These are like kids, He's like younger. in their He's not older. Like right. teens He's or a like young 20s stranger. or whatever. Right. So, yeah. um, a young handsome. Yeah. I, I tried to go for a bit of like a higher, you know, vocal projection or something. But yeah. you know, it's nice. It when was you, very when have... it was very Cohen-esque, but it was very cool and it fit. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's 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 a tough thing. I feel like there's something about like a, a tenor vocal range that really cuts through like a, a live band mix you know mm -hmm. it can be hard for someone with a deeper voice you know like you see junior brown play and like damn he sounds freaking phenomenal on stage but like basically what you're hearing is like his voice and he's not really playing guitar very much underneath it and then like he stops singing and the guitar takes over you know yeah, so it takes over nice to have those yeah. those pockets and stuff so yeah. it was nice to have the uh the studio to kind of yeah and then sequencing wise because i still think in terms of even though in the age of spotify it's like what's the single i still think of track one track two yeah track. To have the record go to Handsome Stranger as track two, it's kind of bold. I mean, you, you kind of had to with the story of El Paso, right, right. but to go right to that really kind of cool... It's a five-song journey, you know? we yeah. got to like, take you in to and To go just right there at the track place, two is pretty know? bold. Yeah. It worked, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for that. that. Yeah, we yeah. didn't think about, you know, do we do we put this in the order sonically or do we keep to the storyline? It was more to. important for us to keep to the storyline. Yeah, and, and then today I'll just, I'll just yeah. keep name-dropping K-Pig, but... Um, you know, Jimmy was on today, and "Hold Your Horses" came on, and it's a big, it's a, it's a big fun song. If unless yeah. you're pulling in, but unless you know the story, like he's trying to get away. Right, <laughs> so right. It's, yeah, it's really yeah. kind of a kind of like, oh my god! But if you just hear the song, 
It's a big fun song. Yeah, exactly. And it's got Sunshine Jackson all over it. Yeah. It's, the big, it's the big, big, high energy song on the album. But yeah. story wise, it's like, I hope he gets away. But yeah. you know, he's not going to really get away. Well, that's what we're kind of hoping too. I mean, you know, obviously we we had a mission to tie all these songs together with the story, you know, yeah. and, and to relate them back to El Paso. But we also were hoping, you know, they could just stand on their own. As, right. Just individual songs, you yeah. know, and, and not that they need to be Western swing or need right. to be in any kind of genre, but just interesting songs. They kind of just are what they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We definitely were not trying to copy the Gunfighter Ballads and Trails songs sure. style or production or anything. I mean, um, I mean, why why bother trying to, like, recreate a song like El Paso? It's just, yeah. it's like the Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore kind of thing. It's, yeah. like, so good, so yeah. perfect in that, in that And way, I can kind so. of see when you came back from the studio last, you know, about a year ago, and we saw you being live doing local shows, you, you probably couldn't just come out and do Handsome Stranger. That that song kind of needs a little bit of context. Yeah. And maybe maybe Felina, too. If you, if you came out and sang Felina, people are going to go, oh, you're doing El Paso. Then you, right. you weren't ready to, like, really talk about the project yet, so you really, you kind of had to, like... Kind of keep it under your wing a little bit. Yeah, a little well, bit. it was fun. I mean, when we first had these songs, we would just yeah. kind of yeah, we'd play El pa- or play Felina, or we'd play Jalapeno Eyes. Um, yeah, and sometimes that, I'd say something works. a little yeah. bit, you yeah. know. And sometimes people would come up to us and be like, "I love that Marty Robbins song you did," yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like the Marty Robbins, but like we do that, like you know, some of those vocal lines that I think sound familiar yeah. to him. And, yeah. Before uh, the album came out, it was kind of like show and venue and crowd dependent, you know, it's yeah. like, well, how much attention are they really paying to us now? Can we just sneak something in there that we're like experimenting with, you know? Right. Yeah. If you're playing on a loud phone, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. Fine. yeah. I think Carol, I think you told me earlier this show, yeah, we're doing, I think it's kind of based on El Paso, but we're not really talking about it yet. It was kind of quiet still. Yeah. I mean, I think we wanted to yeah have it recorded, have it ready and, yeah. And also, too, we, I mean, we spent time working on it, and I think what's been so fun, like, we just did a tour through the Midwest in October, and um, it was the first time that we presented, like, the whole thing to people, where we'd tell the story about, um, you know, about all the characters, and we'd actually tie it all back to Marty Robbins in each Mm -hmm. song, so we'd reference El Paso, we'd remind people of the lines from Mm -hmm. his song that relate to the characters in our song, and and people really responded to that, which was wonderful, I mean... I mean, we weren't surprised. I mean, there's Marty Robbins fans are everywhere, and it's it's a beautiful thing that you know not only are people responding to the relation we're tying to his characters, but you know coming up to us afterwards and talking yeah. about first time they heard El Paso yeah. and when they bought that vinyl as a kid, and you know it's just really nice. That to album connect is really people. unique that way. That like people have those moments where like oh, I remember when like when my mom bought that and like yeah. oh, I grew up like listening to this in my dad's car or whatever. Like it's one of those few kind of records that is kind of like on a next level that. Uh, people just it's like ingrained in their souls you know mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. one of those like untouchable kind of things it's so. definitely right. canon i mean it's a very important yeah. piece of american music yeah. yeah and i think people who like what you do um are gonna know that record it's just it, it fits right. you know it you fits so people yeah. like the carolyn sills combo they're probably fans of marty robbins gunfighter ballads mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's a really logical thing to do yeah 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 that album has a nice crossover appeal too i think it, it goes beyond just like you're into like country or western stuff there's right I think the big thing that's always drawn us to uh, the Gunfighter Bells record is is the stories themselves, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's that was part of the big inspiration for uh, Return to El Paso was like, these aren't just like great singers, great musicians, whatever in the studio. These are amazing songs. They're like really vivid, kind of like cinematic stories. You know, right. it's like it paints such a visual picture, uh-huh. and that was really engaging and kind of appealing to us in terms of yeah. trying to tackle something like yeah. this. Yeah. So. And as of this conversation I, this is like you know, late november 2019 
It's charted on the Americana charts? And all-country. Yeah, we're number... Well, we've been going back and forth, but right now we're number 14 on the all-country charts, and we're close to breaking 100 on the Americana charts. Congratulations. Pretty great. Thank Thank you. you. And you you had a successful Kickstarter campaign? We We did, did, yes. We really did. That was... uh, that was amazing. Where's my vinyl? Yeah, I know it's, it's coming. coming. One more week. It's a ship from Pluto. So. Yeah. Was that yeah. stressful doing a Kickstarter? I gotta ask. It is kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, um, I haven't done one. I say just you know. It's in this day and age where we have social media and all these different tools to our disposal in terms of like which is connecting good, which with is your good audience. and bad because people, you can get the word out, but so can everybody else. Right. Yeah. You know, it kind of dilutes the market in a sense, but you know, it empowers the artists. You know, so it's like if yeah. people are into what you're doing. Um, people can find you, you can get mm-hmm. the word to your crowd, that kind of thing. And that's, right. that's really great. Uh, the Kickstarter thing was awesome. Um, it, it's funny that, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, like anything else, people kind of procrastinate that kind of thing. Like yeah. it was doing okay for a while. We we're like, oh, is this is going to work. And then the last week, week and a half, it was like everyone. Good. Like, oh yeah. I got it. Well, I, I, when I, as soon as I saw it, I, I like, okay, I'll, I'll buy the vinyl, the, the, you know, and I saw it, it was, it was kind of really slow at first and I thought yeah. I hope they make it because they have but I think people just were procrastinating right yeah yeah it was a two month campaign um, but we had a lot of cool kind of promotional stuff going yeah. on towards the end of that we had a couple new uh, videos that we did with LR Bags in Nashville and whatever and oh good yeah. I think that kind of helped uh, get some and then more. Carol aren't you, aren't you was it one of the presents I, I sent Mickey you're going to sing happy birthday to somebody for the rest of their life is, is yep that? yeah we got one take around that so that's good yeah yeah. Hey, if it works, yeah, I got you over. You know, it's all entertainment. I mean, yeah. well, this was El, Return to El Paso was a huge. I mean, it was people think it's just five songs, but it's five songs. You went down south, you recorded. There's production. There's mastering. Oh, there's yeah. the, the videos it's a big you guys project. did. I mean, we're only charging ten bucks for the record, which you know, or for the the CD. CD. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but and the vinyl actually. Um, so we did. All of El Paso on one side of the 12-inch, mm-hmm. Return to El Paso on one side. And then on the other side, we put a few of our Spaghetti Western yeah. songs from our previous record. Right, yeah, right. so it's kind of a nice bonus for people that yeah. ordered the vinyl. Looking forward to it. Yeah, first time yeah. on vinyl. So yeah, we're pretty excited. excited. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're test pressing right over there. Yeah, wow. I know. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the record. It's brilliant. Thank it's creative. Thanks, it's cool. And we get to talk about it on the floor awesome. with Cowboy Endurance. This is so great. Yeah, great. I know. And you've got a big pile of songs that you, you're you waiting to do something with next. We have uh, easily another album's worth of new songs to record. So nice. 2020 may see another record. We'll okay. see. Yeah. We'll and see another, another podcast another before podcast. then. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Cheers. You Cheers. Thank you. Ah, that was fun. Carolyn Sills and Gerard Egan of the Carolyn Sills Combo. I did mention that fine combo also includes Jimmy Norris, the go-to Santa Cruz drummer, percussionist, and Charlie Wallace on Piddle Still, and the lovely and talented Sunshine Jackson on harmony vocals and percussion. So if you get a chance to see them, do it. You will not be disappointed. In fact, if you go see them and you're not happy, I will refund your money. How's that? Um, fun chat with them. The new project is called Return to El Paso. I also wanted to mention that um, we set that up. We didn't actually put this in the interview, but I, I, I took Gerard and, and Carolyn. Some of my mom's, my late mother's old 78s, and he cleaned them up and played them, and I left them with them. It was kind of a, a cool thing to do. 
Lots of fun. Always good to hang with them. And uh, just they're wonderfully inspiring songwriters and musicians. They really dedicate their lives to this stuff. The new the new album is called Return to El Paso, a five-song story cycle. You can find it at carolynsills.com, Carolyn with a Y. You can also hear them on KPIG Radio about once a month doing their House of Twang, which is really, really um, cool stuff. They do a lot of old, old music you've never heard before. They pull out their, their vinyl collection, take it to the pig, and uh, it's it's always a fun listen. So speaking of listening, thank you again for listening to these podcasts over the years, over the year, and uh, got more coming up for 2020. I'm going to leave you with a, a track that's on side two of the vinyl release of Return to El Paso. So like I mentioned earlier, it's available as a download and um, a CD. There's also a vinyl pressing coming out as we speak. I think it's available now at carolynsills.com. Side one is the five-song Return to El Paso story cycle. Side two has a few tracks from their previous release, Dime Stories Volume 2, which wasn't available on vinyl, so you can actually get some of those songs on vinyl. Here's a song called Buffalo Bills Defunct. And I'll leave you with this. And thank you again for uh, listening to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. You can find this podcast at uh, KC Cafe Radio every weekend. You can find it at michaelgaither.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and now on anchor.fm. That's new. You can actually pledge to support the podcast over there if you so wish. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. Take care. Once more, here is the Carolyn Sills Combo.
He was a hero.